0: shop skims bras at skims.com now available in 62 sizes 38 through 46 h if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows hi guys i'm emma and i'm julie and welcome back to another episode of our kardashian bonus show hey jewel i am I am still on a high from the Kim SNL episode, like our recording of it.
1: I know. I love every episode we do. There was just something really special about that one where it was probably one of my favorite ones we've recorded in a long time.
0: It was just something that I know we both wanted to talk about and could have talked about for forever. So to have not only a place to really discuss it at length together, but also I felt as though most people that were going to be listening were rooting for her. You know, it didn't feel like we had to... I don't know, necessarily cater to potential haters. I feel like the general aura around people were that they were really excited about it. It was just an overall really positive experience. And I feel really lucky we were able to do that. Yeah, me too. Okay. So for this, we are back with Courtney and Chloe Take Miami season two. We're going to do episodes six and seven together. But before we start on that, just a few quick things Kardashian wise, we wanted to discuss that we didn't in Monday's episode. First thing I want to say, I don't know how this is physically possible because I listened back to the episode three times before we released it. You listened back twice and neither of us realized that we somehow didn't mention that Scott was there at SNL.
1: I don't know how I forgot that because I went into the episode being like, don't forget to mention Scott. Like That was such a huge piece of it for me. And then somehow I I just completely forgot to, we both did.
0: Well, it's funny because when Isabel made the promo slides like to promote the podcast, she made them before she listened. And so there's a photo of Chloe and Scott like linked arms and it says, you know, podcast 1011. And I was thinking we can't do that because so many people already called us out for forgetting to mention him.
1: You know what's so funny about that too is that the two of them walking linked arm was one of the main things that I wanted to talk about in reference to him being there. Like seeing them together walking like that, it just felt so right to me.
0: Well, I think that it's important context to have. Last week, last Friday, when we did our Kardashian bonus show, we didn't do an episode recap. We just did a whole kind of news roundup and we spent probably a solid 10 minutes talking about the Hulu show and just hypothesizing different things and really wondering Scott's level of involvement. And we were saying we can't imagine a world in which he doesn't do it for a multitude of reasons, you know, aside from the success of the show, since people are coming there because they want to see what's going on with Scott and Courtney and the family. But also because as we know from last season, he really wants that quality time from filming. And so it just seeing that photo, it confirmed something that I already knew, but it just felt really good to have it solidified.
1: It felt really good, especially for an event like SNL, where it was one of It wasn't just a family event. It wasn't just a holiday. It wasn't one of the ones that they normally do. Like this was one of the biggest nights they've ever had. So for Scott to be there, it wasn't just like, oh, everything's right with the family. It's like that place in the family is so unbelievably solidified and nothing that happens is going to ever change that.
0: Exactly. And another thing that I wanted to ask you about, did you see the video of Corey and Chris walking outside of the plaza? He's eating a pretzel and they have a film crew following them.
1: Of course I did.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. Duh. To me, that shows that clearly that was being filmed for the Hulu show. But I'm really curious what other parts of SNL, like the entire experience, were being filmed.
1: Oh, I'm sure a lot of it. I was thinking about that as well. And I actually bet that the first episode that is released is going to be the behind the scenes and, and Kim on SNL. It has to be, right? I, I would bet money on it, yeah. The
0: other thing I wanted to mention was... When Chloe arrived in New York, I think it was Simon that posted a photo of them and he made the caption something like, got Chloe to leave Calabasas for the weekend. And Courtney commented on it being like, yeah, that is a really big deal. And Chloe responded something to the effect of like, you know me, I never leave. And clearly it was all a very joking, lighthearted tone, but I was thinking for a second, that is so accurate. Like out of any of them, I feel like we never really see Chloe travel unless it's going somewhere with Tristan, like when we would see her, of course, in Ohio or in Boston, or if we see her sometimes on these tropical vacations, I know she likes Turks and Caicos, but compare it to a Kylie or a Kim, a Courtney, obviously a Kendall for work. I definitely think she factually leaves the lease. And that's
1: not an observation I was necessarily so tuned into. I was just going to say the grip Tristan must have had on her for the one exception of leaving Calabasas to be to go to Cleveland, that's next level.
0: Yeah. But I'm thinking like once you saw that comment, didn't you really think aside from when she's on the beach, we never see her going to Florence or to the Amalfi Coast like Courtney does on these summer vacations on a yacht. I mean, I'm sure there are some things that she doesn't document, but not really.
1: Yeah. She really is such a homebody.
0: Yeah. I wonder why. I mean, I know a lot of it has to do with probably the fact that she loves her routine and she's spoken about that a lot, but she has the luxury where she could replicate that routine somewhere else. I guess- I don't know. Maybe traveling is a little bit stressful for her.
1: I was going to say probably just the element of control and being able to control her environment. She doesn't want to leave.
0: Yeah. That's something that I would love to ask her about. Add that to the list for the eventual interview. You got it, kid. The other thing I wanted to quickly talk about before we got into the episodes is Kylie's collab with Nightmare on Elm Street for her Halloween collection.
1: Now, can I ask a question in terms of the collab? Because this is kind of the piece of it that I'm not understanding, and this may be a dumb question. Mm -hmm. Is this an official collab, or is it just the name of the Halloween collection?
0: No, it's an official collab.
1: It's very interesting, right? Well, you know, I've noticed this about
0: Kylie, and I was really thinking about this when I saw that because I went back. She's done collabs with other movies. Like she did the Grinch for a Christmas collection. And then other than that, she may have done a few others like that, but she's of course done, you know, collabs with her different sisters and with Chris. And then she's also done one with Stormy. And back in the day, I think she did one with Jordan. But other than that, she hasn't really done collabs unless I'm mistaken with people outside of the family. And I I could be so off here, but I don't really think that I am. I feel like in theory, this Nightmare on Elm Street thing is really cool. And it is. I mean, it's of course an iconic movie. And I know she felt kind of honored to do that collab and I get it. And I'm sure for her personally, it's also something that's exciting. But I just have to imagine that in in terms of public interest, I feel like a collab with a celebrity friend, even someone like Stas would just perform better. Do you think that that's just because I don't get the Nightmare on Elm Street thing? Or do you think that there's truth to that?
1: No, I think there's truth to it, especially depending on who the collab is with. I mean, personally, I can't envision a scenario in which somebody would want a Nightmare on Elm Street Kylie collection. Like imagine asking somebody for their makeup tutorial and they drop that what they're wearing is Kylie X Nightmare on Elm Street, you would be so unbelievably confused. But then again, there are a lot of people who are super, super in the makeup community who will just wear anything she puts out and they just want to have it almost as like a collector's item. So that is really interesting to me. I think it really depends on who she collabs with because like, for example, Stoss, I can't imagine wanting to buy it because it's Stoss. Like I can't imagine being like, oh, Stoss is the person that I'm aspiring to let me buy a makeup collab with her because of that fact. I could understand people doing it, again, kind of the same thing, just to have it, to have it, and it being like a more logical or more like a collab that made a little bit more sense than Nightmare on Elm Street because it's more on brand for Kylie. Something that I was thinking about when you were saying it is like, I honestly think that a Travis Scott collab would make a lot of sense. Like if it was Kylie X Cactus Jack, for example, and then the palette was really on brand with that theme, like a lot of brown tones and a lot of pink tones because of his colors that he puts out into his brand and his shoes, obviously the Nikes. But yeah, I mean, I don't really get the Nightmare on Elm Street thing either. I wonder who that audience is. Like, I wonder who is running to buy that palette.
0: I mean, it's really hard because to be honest with you, even though I consider us to have extensive Kardashian knowledge, I will say that specifically Kylie Cosmetics is kind of a blind spot for me. I was never, you know, a hardcore consumer of any of those products. Whereas like Skims, I literally feel as though I could be an ambassador. Like I could talk you through the entire website and I've owned pretty much everything. Whereas I, I haven't been in on the Kylie Cosmetics thing since day one. So I recognize that people may view this a little bit differently, but I was thinking about it like, okay, Kim brings in Kate Moss. That was absolutely huge, right? She then does the Olympics collab, absolutely huge. Most recently she brings in Megan Fox with Courtney. Megan Fox is I mean, to me right now, there's nobody that is getting more attention and kind of this renewed public interest. It makes a lot of sense. So let's take Kylie for a second. We know that she's close friends with Rosalia. I feel like Rosalia has such a loyal following also internationally. And to me, that is something that would be really exciting. Again, I'm not necessarily judging it by my standards because I wouldn't buy it regardless. Like I have my makeup that I like, and it's not that. I'm sure it's great. I just don't subscribe to it. But I'm just curious if she's opposed to that or if she just hasn't done it yet.
1: Yeah, I'm curious about that too. When you said Rosalia, my eyes kind of perked a little bit because I actually think that that's a really great one and like such a great example. I don't know. I mean, listen, even Kim does things with obviously not skims, but more KKW where I'm like, that's an interesting, you know, marketing scheme. Like for example, her anniversary collection, I can understand like the idea of like, okay, here's my wedding look. Let me make this into something, marketable for you to have. In terms of it marketing her anniversary, I looked at that and I was like, you know, I don't really get somebody wanting to buy that. Like, I guess because I'm so tuned into just the logistics of a collab and like what is smart about a collab versus what isn't, I kind of forget about the product. Like I'm Mm -hmm. so tuned into what that would mean in terms of like how that's presented to the public that I'm like, not really paying attention to what the actual makeup product is. And I guess that happens a lot for me with Kylie as well. But I I do think that with Kylie, I'd like to see the makeup brand grow more. And I guess that's kind of what it is, where it feels like she has all of these other projects now. And it's almost like the makeup is almost being neglected, even though I think that's the biggest piece of the puzzle for Kylie. That's the biggest piece of who she is and who her brand is, that I would like to see it grow more and like change and evolve over time rather than just continue with these collabs that are a little bit more confusing.
0: Well, it's really interesting because like, hypothetically speaking, in some alternate universe where somebody on the Kylie Cosmetics team listened to this or Kylie, I think she or they would probably be really frustrated by hearing somebody say that, like it's being neglected because I think in their minds, it's not at all. I think it's factually not. And they're probably completely accurate that it's not. It's just that it's interesting that that's even potentially some sort of public perception because we're not the only ones that have said that. You know, you see that on Twitter a lot, people just having curiosity around that. And I don't know if it's only because of the inclusion of these other brands, which by the way, that wouldn't be fair. Like Who's to say that she can only stick with the makeup thing? Let her do whatever. We don't, you know, criticize a lot of other people, specifically a lot of other men for having their hands in a lot of different things. So that's not fair. I just do wonder if she was changing the way she did collabs, if people would not have the perception that she was neglecting it, even given the rise of the other brands. Does that make sense that I convey that correctly?
1: Totally makes sense. And you're right. It's not fair to say that one's being neglected because of the other, because it then creates kind of the idea that you can't do everything. She totally can do everything. It just feels like for me, I think you would agree with this also. It's been a while since you've looked at something that Kylie's done and gone like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing ever. Like, oh my God, that is the best idea. Whereas when Skims was doing the Olympics or when the Megan Fox thing came out, it like took us back. We're like, that is so goddamn smart. That is such a great idea. And I feel like with Kylie, she used to have things where I was like, wow, that's really great. Or like, that is so good for her brand. And I just feel like it's been a while since I felt that way.
0: Totally. You know, I, I was thinking about it. I think the thing that made me have that reaction, and this doesn't count because I know you're talking about like brands and products. What was the interview that she did? Was it for interview mag or... I forget exactly what which one, you guys will know exactly the photo shoot we're talking about. It was the one that came out at the same time as Kendall's Burberry campaign came out and people were like being really mean comparing the two of them because they thought that Kylie's was so much more edgy and like cooler. But that, I remember that shoot, me being like, holy shit, okay, this is Kylie Jenner. Whereas I didn't get that from the swim. I didn't get that from the baby. And there's a reason she's an icon. Like that will happen. I am. This is not like the fall of Kylie Jenner by no means. But I do think she's due for some resurgence.
1: I completely agree. I remember really, really overwhelmingly feeling that way about Playboy, even though it was a while ago.
0: Oh my God. We've said this before, right? But like, I have to say it again. I know we definitely said this. To me, this is one of the funnier things that's ever happened. Like Back in the day when we used to have guests on, we did this thing where they would be our co-hosts and we sometimes still do it now, but not really. I mean, we've definitely slowed down on having guests virtually just because it's so much less enjoyable. But back when we were doing this, however long ago, that's when Drake Bell... Was in the studio and he was going to be our co host. I mean, obviously, all those allegations about him have come out and we further removed that episode and we didn't have kind things to say regarding him in general. That being said, like, do you know how stressful it was for me and you? We're sitting in this room. All we want to do is talk about Kylie and Travis's Playboy shoot. Like, I needed that. Like, I needed fucking air to breathe. I was so excited. And we get there and we're with Drake Bell, who understandably could not have given less of a fuck to the point where we recorded a separate segment about it, which we never did. Like back in the day, that was unheard of because we were like, we need to have the space to freak out
1: about this without judgment. In retrospect, I am incredibly, incredibly, incredibly grateful for the fact that we did not discuss anything about Playboy or Kylie Jenner in Playboy with Drake Bell.
0: Yeah. Fuck that. I would have been a a disgrace quite frankly I mean
1: disgrace also just like fucking creepy of him
0: yeah anyway I don't know how we just got there and
1: we always get somewhere <laughs> Something that's interesting just in the bigger picture of this, not even Kylie specific, is just how our relationship, both mine and yours and the public as a whole, like our relationship with different members of the family ebbs and flows. And like sometimes you're in a big Kylie phase and like Kylie's the coolest thing on the planet. And like you cannot get enough of the things that Kylie's doing because she just presents herself in such a way that you're like, wow, this young billionaire with this adorable daughter and like a really cool boyfriend, husband, like, wow, how amazing to watch her live her life. And then you'll have days where it's like, you know, Courtney, I'm not really into Courtney right now. Like I'm I'm not picking up on her vibe, whatever. Chloe, even you'll have days, like, first of all, I literally said to you the other day, I say nicer things about Chloe, I think, than I say about anybody in my own life. Like I cannot get enough of Chloe, but even I'll have days where, I'll be like, I'm kind of over this thing that Chloe's doing sometimes. And the public will have days where they're like, you know, I'm not feeling Chloe right now. So it's so interesting the way our relationship with them always just ebbs and flows. And at any given time, you could be kind of not thrilled with one and overly thrilled with the other. And then that could switch the next day.
0: Totally. And it's like so crazy and almost embarrassing that we have that. But at the same time, like I'm past the point of trying to analyze, you know, if it's weird that that happens. I think at this point,
1: these people have
0: become like figures in your mind to a certain extent.
1: Right, like even take Kendall, for example, she's so constant in terms of what she gives us, but I'll go through phases with Kendall where I'm like, wow, it is so cool of her, how private she is. And it's so amazing to watch her live her life and be this superstar model that's so aspirational in that that sense. And like, she doesn't need to give us anything because she is who she is. And then I'll have days where I'm like, can't Kendall just give us one fucking thing? I know. I so relate to that. And it's you know, it's funny because I think it definitely happens
0: more with the Kardashians because they just give us more, but also it kind of happens with every celebrity, right? Like any celebrity that divulges a certain amount of information in their life, you go through phases.
1: Well, think about Megan Fox right now.
0: Totally. That's different though because so much of it is she's just more in the public whereas the Kardashians they're always equally as much in the public.
1: Right, of course, but it's like with Megan Fox, and I'm sure we'll talk about this on next week's episode or more. Both Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly in the beginning, it was like, wow, they are the hottest couple in the entire world. I want to watch them do everything. I want to watch them be obsessed with each other. And to an extent, it's still kind of like that. But the more oversaturated they become and the more you find out about them and the more they open their mouths and speak, you're kind of like, okay, let's relax here. Like that GQ interview, it was like, you had me. And now you're starting to lose me.
0: Well, there was a really funny tweet. I want to pull it up that Julie sent today. It was from Boxtop, E-O-C-X-T-O-P. Megan Fox, Machine Gun Kelly, bravely answering the question, is it possible to be so annoying you stop being hot? (laughs) Which like, in all fairness, personally for me with her, the answer is no. Let me be very clear. We'll talk about this on Monday. I don't mean to get off track. I don't find it annoying at all because I think that, okay, you're this massive celebrity. You're having a total public resurgence. Everybody is interested, whether it's because they love you or hate you. And you do an interview with GQ and they ask you a question about your love life. You're going to communicate it in the way that you really feel with the intensity and whatever. So how could I be annoyed for her sharing how she feels? I just definitely am like, wow, that is not necessarily, in my opinion, aspirational, but teach their own.
1: (laughs) Right. Like, For me, with the GQ thing specifically, because I think this is the first time that I've really been thrown off by their relationship or, like, found it in a way where I'm like, okay, yeah, it's hot, but, like, why are you guys being weird about it? Like, (laughs) like in that one one quote – I think this really did me in – in that one quote where they're, like, saying (laughs) – that machine gun Kelly smelled like weed and Megan Fox pointed it out and he was like, I am weed. And she was like, that's so cool. I, like, and everyone's like, how, what? Like, why did that happen? Or like, the, or like when they're talking and they're like, we didn't even kiss the first night. We just like breathed into each other's mouths. It's like, what? Why? Why? No, really the, the wait,
0: the tweets slash memes coming from the weed quote are maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like we posted one on our story that was like, RIP to all the guys that are going to bravely try the line, I am weed and just immediately be left on red. And it's like, we're talking to you and me, like we love weed
1: as much, if not more than the next guy. <laughs> but like, there's something about celebrities where at a certain point, you just want them to plateau and like stay in that safety zone where it's like, okay, Megan Fox, you saying on the VMAs that like you're gonna wear whatever he, whatever machine gun Kelly said like whatever daddy says go like so hot stop right there like literally stop right there stop talking keep it exactly like that you they hit this point where they could have plateaued I felt like and then they did this GQ article that was like so weirdly intense that they thought it would elevate them and everyone would be like wow they're the hottest couple ever, ever they just like breathe into each other's mouths and instead it was like Okay, you've just you've lost us. Like you can't you cannot get me back after you you've spent the first night breathing into each other's mouths. Like first of all it's covid. Get literally get a grip. <laughs> I know. But at the same time,
0: I feel the same way and then I'm like, but if that's really what happens, she's just recounting the night it just happens to be a little bit
1: demonic. Who am I? If Fauci people were breathing into each other's mouths, this entire nation would go back into lockdown.
0: Fauci <laughs> gets on the fucking podium directly calling out Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly, wait, that's a hilarious skit. <laughs> that is oh. so funny. Oh my God. <laughs> I have so many things to say. Oh
1: God. Um, yeah. Wow. How did we get here, Julie? Um, I don't know because I blinked and then we were like from Drake Bell- <laughs> And so, like, breathing into each other's mouths. (laughs) Also, you know what the funniest thing is? One more Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox thing is that line in her caption that we posted where it was, like, the type of sex that would, like, make Lucifer grip his rosary. And everyone's like... We've all had sex. Like, What could you possibly be doing that's so different than the rest of us? Well, what I think the funniest thing ever is that when
0: we posted that on our story, we get to see everybody's responses. And half the time, people don't realize that they're responding to our story. They think they're sending it to their friend or their boyfriend or whatever the person is. So the amount of responses that we got from women that were like so pissed that Megan Fox thinks that she has some ability that they don't have was fucking hilarious like i wish that it was kosher to compile all of them and just post them i wouldn't like always block the person's name out because some people were so pissed like sending it thinking they were sending it to their boyfriends or their girlfriends being like what do you think she's doing to him that i can't do to you
1: <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> by the way valid question listen
0: after all this what i really want personally is like you know we all joke like oh we want to see their sex aid like Okay, fine, yeah. What I want is for Megan Fox to do a completely serious tutorial and just explain like what she does that is so unique from a strictly educational perspective. Like I'm not above it. I, I, I'm i very pleased with my abilities, but I think you can always learn more. I'd love to see what she's doing. Yeah, teach a masterclass. Teach a fucking, okay, talk about a masterclass.
1: No, by the way, let's bring it full circle. That's a Kylie collab I would be interested. In. Yes. Do makeup while Megan Fox teaches me how to have sex. Yeah.
0: Honestly, Julie, brilliant. Who do we talk to about this?
1: Both Kylie and Megan Fox.
0: (laughs) Okay, great. Get them on the phone immediately. (laughs) Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it a little anti-frizz cream, and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. Okay. So after that wildly long tangent that I enjoyed every single second of, we are on to episodes six and seven of Courtney and Chloe Take Miami season two. How are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling amazing.
0: Yeah, me too. So we're not going to do either of these scene by scene just because realistically, like if we want to be honest, these are really both the lead up to episode eight and after that, which is when shit really hits the fan with Scott. But as we know, Chloe left. That's where we left you guys off last week. And now Kim is in Miami. She's wanting to help Courtney with the store and with Mason. And that's really what we're getting in this episode. But what's highlighted a little bit more is Kim and Courtney's relationship because, as they said, you know, here, like they were so close growing up. It was the two of them. Obviously, they were the two firstborn, and they did everything together. They were basically raised like twins. And not that that relationship has gone away, but obviously Courtney and Chloe have gotten so close at this time. And so what you were seeing here was one, Kim coming to help, but also like them really bonding again.
1: I always think that exploring that sibling relationship between all of them, both then and now is one of the most interesting things about the family as a whole.
0: Totally. I mean, even, you know, even now, and I think we were talking about this on Monday's episode, like no part of me thinks that Chloe being at SNL Means that her and Kim are closer than her and Courtney. I genuinely just think they express their love and the closeness of their relationship in different ways. But because Chloe's is such a more like outward expression of her admiration and affection, you can sometimes get that feeling, even though I truly do not believe it's the case.
1: Right. Like, I feel like with Kim and Courtney, so much of their bond is so strong because it's so rooted in their childhood. And of course, Chloe had a very similar childhood, if not the same childhood to Kim and Courtney, but they had such an intense bond from that young age that, like, that's a for life thing, obviously. Obviously, you can say, like, they're sisters. Of course, it's a for life thing. But to be raised in that way, like, such twins and so close and everything together, that sticks with you. And I'm sure they still see themselves like that in a lot of ways, especially as being like the two oldest in the family and having so many younger siblings. And I think with Chloe and Courtney, they have this bond that, you know, the their twenties were so defined by each other and this like crazy antics and this crazy closeness that they had. That that also will never go away. And for Chloe and Kim, I think their bond has really been solidified by this kind of late in life stage and this parental stage that they're in. So it's interesting to kind of see that relationship and how it's ebbed and flowed over the years and changed a little bit, but also how it's been defined by the different stages of their lives.
0: Oh, completely. And they've spoken about that, obviously, like just on a really superficial level, how Kim and Chloe have more similar parenting styles than Courtney and how that contributes to just, I don't want to say the level of closeness, but potentially some of the ways in which they, you know, operate. And I know this is kind of unrelated because he's nowhere in this episode, but I always think about Chloe and Rob because Kim to Courtney growing up, I I think similar is Chloe to Rob, you know? And to me, that's one relationship that at least in terms of the way it's been portrayed to the public has never wavered. You know, of course there were times when he was literally living with Chloe, but to me, there was nobody else in the family that I thought, okay, that's Rob's number one, more so than Chloe at any point. Again, complete outsiders were not in the equation. I know he's really close with Kylie as well and all of them, but like the Chloe and Rob bond is one that to me was just so fucking consistent for so many years, continually. I mean, up until this day.
1: Totally, totally, totally. I mean, Kim literally just posted that picture and it was Courtney and Travis and Chloe and Rob with the caption, like my two favorite couples. Right. Exactly. So in
0: terms of the rest of this episode, The other thing that's happening is that when Kim gets to Miami, she says to Courtney, and I quote, you promise you won't say anything? Reggie and I broke up, like for good. There was no fight. There was no nothing. We just realized that our lives are so different. It's not working. And, you know, of course I remember that they had broken up around this time, but I kind of didn't fully remember that it was over nothing. Like I knew there wasn't a cheating situation. She'd never spoken negatively about him, but it really was just the type of situation where they were like, you know what? This is not the best for both of us. And it's like weird to say, but I love that for Kim because I compare it to the breakup with Chris Humphreys, which was like fucking traumatic, you know? And so it's kind of nice to have nothing major happen and just have it be like, this wasn't happening for either of us.
1: Right. I so, so agree. Like that kind of clean break. And I wonder how they view each other now. Honestly, like I don't really talk about it that often because- he's married
0: and there's just no world in which that's happening. But I do sometimes get curious, not even like, not that anything would happen, but just if you said completely like unfiltered, how do you feel? What do you think about the way that they've lived their lives? How do you think they've changed from when you knew them way back when? I would love to hear that.
1: I think that they would both describe each other as like their first serious love. I think so too. Which is a beautiful way to describe somebody.
0: Oh my God, are you kidding?
1: I speak so highly of my first love. Yeah, I know you do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I also totally see the argument being made of like, that breakup is actually so much harder because then you always have the what if and you feel like maybe it could have worked. Whereas when something really painful happens, yes, it may be harder in the moment, but at least you know that it's more of a forever thing and you don't have to look back on it. I don't really know. I mean, I think it's really circumstantial, but I can understand an argument being made in that direction as well.
1: Yeah, totally. I'd be shocked if either of them looked back on that relationship as what if, although I have thought about it in the past. Like I did think about it, I think when Kim and Kanye broke up and it was kind of at the exact same time that we were rewatching these episodes, specifically the ones with Reggie. And I kind of had that thought of like, oh, I wonder if like this was it. And it just didn't work out because of timing. And like, this was really the love of her life. I don't know if I necessarily have anything to back that up or think that way. It was just like a curiosity thought that I had.
0: totally. Totally. Also, the other plot of this episode is just that Kim is constantly on her phone and Courtney's like incredibly annoyed. There's this whole thing where Courtney hides the phone, she hides the laptop. But yes, it was overly dramatized, although I do think that there was a lot of legitimacy to the fact that when Kim was a little bit more separated, like they really did have that ability to connect. And I think Courtney's frustration, even though dramatized, was real.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen. Kim's relationship with her Blackberry specifically at that time and specifically her Blackberry over the iPhone was so discussed and like such a huge part of these episodes. And this was one of the first times that you really see that be an issue in their relationship. But I mean, that was always a fight they had about Kim being on her phone. So yeah, of course, it was dramatized. Of course, the taking the laptop and the phone and hiding it was one thing. But I do think that Courtney's excitement about Kim being there and like wanting to really bond with her and feeling like her phone was getting in the way was absolutely 100% real.
0: Yeah, oh, completely, completely. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. So this next episode, episode seven, again, we're not going to go through this one scene by scene just because I don't necessarily think it would be enjoyable for you guys to do it in that way. But To me, this is really the episode where you get to see that Courtney's denial of Scott is not just something that Kim and Chloe are making up. Like, this is really one that highlights it as a very real and very concerning thing.
1: No, totally. I mean, this is, I think, also one of the first episodes since Mason's born, where that denial is really full on display because you pair it with the way that Scott's acting. And, you know, previously, I think Courtney was really good, good as a loose term at ignoring the things Scott did. Like, it wasn't like she was in denial about them. It was like, she was just like, I can't be bothered by that. And I think that once Mason was born, Scott really stepped in as a dad in the way that I don't think Courtney was expecting and not necessarily in the way that you would want in terms of like just being extremely responsible and there and present but I think in the way that he loved Mason so much and Courtney could really feel that. And that really took the place of any worries that she had. And I think Courtney really used that as a cushion to be able to be in denial about Scott's behavior. And it was kind of like, how could he love my son this much and how can he be this good of a dad in my eyes and me have concerns about his behavior. So I don't think she was even actively ignoring these things. I think she was just so pleased with who Scott was that, this short period of time, that that denial was so real and so present. No, it's completely accurate because even
0: throughout all of this, nobody could say that he wasn't an attentive father to Mason. You know, that was very real. There's a part of me that wonders how this would have escalated if Kim or Chloe weren't there because like such a small example that we see later on in this episode is that Kim had bought a bottle of wine or a few bottles of wine for when they had guests over And she goes to take it out and it's missing. Obviously she thinks it is Scott. She has Courtney call up Scott. He completely denies it. And it's not until Courtney goes up to the roof and she sees the wine bottle. She sees the fact that Scott has been drinking. And then another example, Kim goes into Dash and she hears some of the Dash employees talking about how they saw Scott out at this club with his friends when Courtney thought that he was working. And so it's almost as if Kim and Chloe's involvement like furthered along Courtney's realization of Scott's behavior, you know?
1: Yeah, I think she would have continued to have been blind to a lot of things, but at a certain point, she would have had to open her eyes to what Scott was doing. The overwhelming feeling I got watching her in this episode, and this was prior to the end, you know, the last scene is is her finding those bottles of wine and going into Kim's room, waking her up in the middle of the night and being like, you're right, Scott has a problem and I don't know what to do and I, I can't do this anymore type of thing. Even prior to that happening, my overwhelming thing was just, I felt so bad for Courtney. I just was watching her and it was one thing to watch her try and convince her family that everything was fine. That seems exhausting as is, but to try and convince yourself that everything's okay and that you're doing the right thing and and you're not blind to anything that's going on. Like I, I just couldn't even imagine what that was like for her. And I was thinking about her with Travis now And I wonder if there was a certain point in the beginning of her relationship where she was just like, wow, I've never done this. Like I've never been in a relationship where it wasn't just me constantly having to defend the other person and defend my position.
0: No, a thousand percent. And I think that what happens also is that the defensiveness becomes so exhausting and it's like a direct pipeline to resentment, you know, because Automatically, you are having to go to bat for this person so much more than you would normally. Like, of course, when you're dating somebody or you're in a relationship with somebody or they're your family member, like you'll go to bat for them at length. But this level was just something that was abnormal because again, she was fighting a battle that she was going to lose because everybody around her was actually correct. And so, you know, that starts to also feed into the resentment towards Scott or to whoever her significant other is or was because it's like on top of my issues that I'm having with you, you are now the sole cause of why I'm having issues with people in my life.
1: Oh yeah, the resentment thing is so real. I mean, you see that in that scene with Kim and Courtney, and basically one of the major plot points is Scott's job. And Scott's job is that he works for this club, MIA, and he's there throughout the night kind of supervising. And Courtney has it very much in her head that he is just there doing his job. And it's kind of like everyone's trying to convince her that like, you know, maybe even if he is doing his job, is this the best job for somebody with a baby at home, a newborn child? And he is out every single night through the night, getting home at 6 a.m. and then unable to get out of bed the next morning because he's been out all night. And there's a scene where Kim is at Dash and the Dash girls are talking about all the different clubs that they've seen Scott at. And Kim has this realization of like, wow, it's not just like he's doing his job and I disagree with that job. It's like he's doing his job and then he's still going out at night instead of coming back home to Courtney, and like, this isn't right. And- you know, Kim approaches Courtney with that fact, and Courtney immediately is so defensive in the sense of like saying stuff that you know she doesn't even believe. Like she's saying to Kim, is, is Scott not allowed to go out? Is he not allowed to live his life? Is he not allowed to have a good time? And you see her get so resentful of Kim to the point where she storms out and she's like, Why don't you and Chloe just like go talk shit about Scott together and leave me alone? And I was watching her and I was like, oh my God, I can't even envision this version of Courtney that's in such deep denial that something can be presented straight to her face. And it's not just that she doesn't believe the evidence, but she's convinced herself that that evidence doesn't matter.
0: Exactly. And it's so true about how that is quite literally the polar opposite of anything we ever see from Courtney now. If anything, her criticism in recent years is that she was so you know overly critical of him and she had him on such a tight leash and it's like when you look back at these scenes i wonder why she went to bat for him for so many years for things that were factually incorrect you know yeah i mean
1: it seems exhausting it really does and i do think she really loved him i i don't think it was just like this is the person she's with and she was trying so hard to make something work that wasn't going to work I think she truly, truly loved him in a way that she didn't love anybody before. And I think she still loves Scott. And I think she still would want to be somebody who cares for him and defends him. But I think at a certain point, she really, really hit that realization of like, this can't be my job anymore. And Mason and and that position that she, that Scott put her in with Mason really, really helped her get to that point. But I don't know how long it would have taken if, Chloe and Kim weren't there being persistent and I know for a lot of people you could say like Chloe and Kim should have just given up like Courtney didn't want to hear it at a certain point you just have to be supportive if Chloe and Kim weren't really on top of the situation and pointing out the things in an attempt to really protect their sister obviously Courtney stayed with Scott for a very long time and in certain people's opinion and maybe the family's opinion longer than she should have but they were so integral into getting her to a point where she was able to understand the full scope of what was happening.
0: And by the way, not for nothing, you know, if they weren't filming a reality show, because would they be realistically have spent this much time together if they weren't? Like, would Kim and Chloe have had such a firsthand look at some of Scott's shortcomings if they weren't filming the show? Would this become a plot line? Like, I don't know. You know, these are all questions that you don't necessarily have answers to, but they're just fun to think about.
1: No, that's so true. And also, I think the sibling dynamic goes into that so much, where it's like, I think if you're friends, like if you're just friends, you're not siblings, even your best, best friend in the entire world, eventually is just going to have to call it quits in terms of trying to convince you and like trying to get you to see something that you're not willing to see. I think when you're a sister and you have that security of like, I can say anything, we are so close that no matter what I say, you will still be my sister. It allows you to keep going and going and going and digging and trying to get that point across because You know that there's no point in which Courtney says to Kim or Courtney says to Chloe, our relationship is done. No matter how mad they got at each other, no matter how long Courtney wanted to go without speaking to one of them, that just wasn't a realistic possibility of something that was going to happen.
0: Right. And thank God that it wasn't, because it was the very thing that was allowed, that allowed them to continue this in the way that they did.
1: Right. And you know what? It was also sad for Scott. Like, it was really sad to watch somebody who so clearly wanted to do the right thing be entirely unable to or unwilling to. Like, he wanted to be a good dad, he wanted to be there for Courtney. There's a scene where he's talking to his friends and he's saying, like, you know, Courtney's not there. He's just literally telling his friends, Courtney is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. The worst time of my life was when I didn't have Courtney. And I do think that he genuinely meant those words. And that's why it was so sad to just watch him continuously screw up and screw up because I don't think he wanted to totally. And
0: listen, that's why just to take it really full circle back to our original conversation. That's why watching these episodes now is significantly easier when we have just seen the photo of him and Chloe linked arms, because even though they are not together, him and Courtney, like all's well that ends well.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: Yeah. Anyway. So next week we'll be back with Episode eight and go from there because shit really hits the fan. But this was fun. I I, I really just enjoyed doing this. Me too. <laughs> we always have so much fun. Yeah, we, we, the best time. we had to. We were we had this other group chat with Isabel and a few of other, our other friends and we were voice noting in it the entire morning and then we're like, Okay, sorry. <laughs> we're stopping voice noting now. We have to go record and we
1: get on here and we're like, Are we ever just not talking? No, <laughs> never. Actually, like the thing that I have to say about that is that we will literally spend one hour apart and so much (laughs) will happen that like we'll catch up as if we haven't seen each other in a week. And it's every single time it happens, it catches me off guard.
0: No, the funniest example, the last thing I'll say is that when we were in Florida Julie and I went for a walk in the morning and Isabel stayed in the room. She didn't feel like going. And we get back from the walk and Julie and I had brought back lunch and we sit down and we're like, okay, so, and we sit her down for probably 20 minutes and fill her on everything that happened on this one hour walk. And she was like, oh my God, I'm so glad for that debrief. And then we like all took a step back and we were like, are we okay? We were apart for an hour. What could have happened? But of course the entire hour walk, we had like a million different conversations analyzing every aspect of everything.
1: We were apart for an hour and we had to have a catch-up lunch. That is yeah. ridiculous.
0: No, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I think I'll be a podcast, huh? Huh. You're right. <laughs> okay. Well, we love you guys so much. And I don't know when this episode comes out, if it's going to be on Wednesday or Friday. We were really trying to get it up earlier in the week since it wasn't since it was a little bit more topical but that is our goal i I don't know what's going to happen with the editing process and with our producers since our schedule is for friday but we wanted to try to surprise everyone and do it on wednesday so you'll see when this comes out if it's on wednesday or friday but we love you guys thank you for listening thank you for letting us do this and i don't know we just feel really lucky and grateful